Hello, good morning. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning here at Bluebell Free Will Baptist Church. Um, some of you uh, that would normally watch, you may be in your uh, church service this morning, and we're so thankful for that. Um, but here at Bluebell, we have decided to wait just a few more weeks before we uh, open the doors to the general public to allow uh, numbers to increase or decrease. And so we're uh, just going to try and, and wait out just a few more weeks to, to ensure the safety of our congregants and our members, uh, especially our elderly and our children. And so uh, we thank you for respecting that. This morning, I pray that you are tuned in live uh, with us this morning to watch our uh, broadcast, and I pray that you'll receive a blessing from the Lord today. Um, before we get started, I do want to make an announcement. Tonight at 6 p.m., we are starting our virtual reawakening and so we will be uh, live streaming live at 6 p.m. this evening. Uh, as you see, Brother Keith Hatton, he'll be bringing the Word of God to us from Alma, Arkansas. Uh, he'll be uh, using our broadcast live there in Arkansas. And so we're just tickled to death and excited to see what the Lord is going to do for us. Um, so please tune in tonight live at 6 p.m. Central Time and hear what the Lord uh, has in store for us uh, from Brother Keith Hatton. Uh, also, our Vacation Bible School will still be uh, going on July the 13th uh, through that Friday. I don't exactly remember the date of that, uh, so uh, be praying for that. I uh, pray that the uh, coronavirus is, is done away with so that we can have uh, excellent Vacation Bible School. Uh, just uh, keep following our page, and we will update you from time to time on, on things that are happening here at Bluebell. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else right off. Uh, all that I, I can think of is that next week I will not be streaming live, uh, but there will be a recording uh, of a sermon uh, to uh, do part three. Chapter three of Philippians uh, has been recorded, and you will receive that next Sunday at 11 a.m. Uh, on our website, Facebook, and on our YouTube page. Um, at this time, uh, on your screens, you see 1932bluebell at gmail.com is our PayPal uh, for your tithes and offerings if you so feel led uh, to support this ministry and this church uh, with your tithes and offerings. We would be so humbled and so grateful for that. Uh, so you can see our PayPal account is on your screen. Also, you see our mailing address, which is Bluebell Free Will Baptist Church. P.O. Box 902, Sepulpa, Oklahoma, 74067. Uh, so we are just humbled and honored for all those that have given and that will give uh, to the ministry. Uh, we cannot do this without you, uh, and we cannot upkeep the church without you. And uh, we're just so thankful that you've minded the Lord uh, in giving and in paying your tithes, and we're, we're thankful for that. Um, I'm excited this morning for what the Lord is going to do. Uh, this morning we are going to be preaching from uh, the book of Philippians chapter 2 on joy robbers, others. And we're going to be talking about having a submissive mind toward others and, and how that we can have a submissive mind to ourselves and not let selfishness or pride uh, overtake our lives. And so I'm excited about what the Lord is going to do uh, in uh, today's service. At this time, we are going to, to the Lord in prayer. Uh, we're going to ask the Lord to just be with us in our service today, ask him to bless the, the tithes and offerings and the giving, 
to ask him to bless our virtual reawakening that will be every Sunday night of May. Uh, every Sunday night of May, there'll be five services, uh, and there'll be four different preachers, and sadly, uh, on the fifth Sunday night of this month, you just get me. Uh, so I'm sorry about that, but hopefully I won't let you down too bad. Uh, we just uh, are excited about what the Lord's going to do and praying for a sermon that God would give me uh, for the last Sunday of this month. Uh, I, I feel a revival uh, in our spirit. I, I feel uh, a stirring in our spirit, and we just want God to move and have his way it's not about us, it's not about Bluebell, it's not about me or any of the preachers that is preaching on Sunday night. Uh, we just want to lift high the name of Jesus Christ and we want to preach the, the gospel uh, to a world that uh, has belittled him. They've made Jesus Christ uh, 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 of something that is uh, ordinary and he is not ordinary. He is not an ordinary man, he is extraordinary. Uh, and I am thankful for that. I'm thankful I serve a, a living God this, this morning. And so uh, at this time, if you will, join us in prayer. I pray that you got your Bibles ready and turn to Philippians chapter 2 to follow along with us in the sermon. Uh, and so this morning, uh, let us go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you as humble as we know how. And Lord, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for your many blessings on us. Father, I thank you, Lord, for uh, saving a soul like mine. God, I thank you, Lord, for bringing me out of the depths of hell. And God set my feet on a solid foundation, on a solid rock, and that rock is Christ. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your mercy. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the joy that I have in my heart. And God, I pray that you would teach us to have a single mind, to have a submissive mind, to have a spiritual mind, and to have a secure mind. I pray, dear God, that you would fill me with the anointing of the Holy Ghost this morning. Help me, Lord, to preach uh, on the submissiveness of Christ and help me Lord to uh, deliver the uh, message that you have uh, for us and God I pray that you would just bless the hearers the viewers pray God that you would be with them and help them and just bless their homes Father I pray that you would uh, continue to heal our land of this coronavirus pandemic God I pray that you would help us to come back into fellowship with one another but also uh, with the uh, uh, Holy Spirit of God I pray dear God that you would just uh, uh, be with us in the service today Bless all those that can give online and through uh, the mail uh, and all those that cannot give. Lord, I pray that you bless them the same. God, just uh, be with each one. Father, we love you and we love them. Father, I, I thank you for this day. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. This morning, I do have a quick song for you before I get into the sermon. And uh, the Lord put this on my heart Friday. And uh, I, I love the words to this song. So y'all just, uh, if you know it, sing along with me. Uh, but just listen to the, to the words of the song. You've been my life for so long. You were right when I was wrong. I can't repay all the love you've given me. Oh, it all to you, Lord. All I have. 
Hope everyone is having a blessed Sunday morning this morning. Uh, thank you for choosing Bluebell Free Will Baptist Church uh, for your Sunday morning service. Uh, I pray that you will receive a blessing. Uh, I'm thankful uh, for all the Lord has done for me. Uh, he has given me many blessings through this quarantine, and I'm so thankful for that. Uh, if you're like us, you've probably had some challenges as well if you've been uh, quarantine, not able to get out and work and and uh, and do things. It's presented some challenges, uh, but the Lord has seen us through uh, each each day and each week, and I'm so thankful for that. I'm blessed, and I I am so thankful for the Book of Philippians. I don't know if any of y'all have received any help through this book, but uh, the Lord has certainly spoken to my heart and shown me just how far away I am from. Uh, the mindset of Christ that Paul teaches us to have. And boy, I strive every day uh, since I have been in the book of Philippians to really let it change my life. And that's what I pray that you are doing. I pray that you will let the book of Philippians change your life uh, and change your mind. I uh, pray that uh, the Lord will speak to you uh, as he has me uh, through reading books and studying for these sermons um, because... Uh, I see how carnal, how carnal our minds can be. 
And that's what Paul is teaching us all through the book of Philippians is that if we have a carnal mind, we can't adapt to the minds of Christ that he wants us to have, or to the mind of Christ, rather. Uh, and having the mind of Christ means that we have a single mind and that we have a submissive mind and a spiritual mind and a secure mind. And we find all these uh, different characteristics, they're all found in the book of Philippians, but also in Jesus Christ. Uh, many people, we, we look and we have these role models. I mean, I remember growing up that I, I used to uh, have role models, that, and, and all mine were sports figures. Uh, Mark McGuire used to be a, a big uh, role model that I wanted to look up to, and, and then he got uh, suspended for the pad use. And, uh, you know, I, I looked up to, to baseball players and, and uh, uh, football players and different things that uh, I realized that even today we, we look to people. Uh, I find myself sometimes looking to other preachers and other men of God and think, man, they, they just, they're full of the anointing. I want, I want what they got, and I, I want to preach how they preach. And, and that's the human nature of us. You know, that's, that's the, the carnality of man. We, we are not satisfied with who we are, but uh, when we find out who we are in Christ, we can be uh, satisfied in Christ. It's not in ourselves or who we are or what we do. But our satisfaction has to come from the identity in Christ Jesus. And so Paul is t teaching us and teaching me that I don't need to be like Paul. And I don't need to be like Barnabas or Timotheus or uh, Peter or James or any of the disciples that followed Christ. I need to strive every day to be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. He's not called us to be uh, anybody else he's not called me to be uh, uh, Dr. Joe Arthur he's not called me to be Dr. Curtis Linton or, or to be uh, uh, any of these other great preachers that, that are around today that are preaching the word of God uh, uh, but he has called me to be like him he's called me to be like Jesus and that's what Paul is teaching us in the book of Philippians he's not uh, nothing in uh, chapter 1 that I talked to you last week about pointed to Paul's life. Paul's life pointed directly to Jesus. And that's what I want my life to do, is I want my life to point directly to Jesus. I want others to see Jesus in my life. And Paul, in chapter 2, he's not pointing to how submissive he was. He's pointing to how submissive Jesus Christ himself was. He was so submissive that he submitted himself uh, to become a human uh, to take upon human sin, to lay down his life uh, for sin, and to be crucified for the sin of the whole world. And I'm so thankful for that. Uh, what a pattern of submissiveness uh, that we have to follow after, and that is found only in Jesus Christ. Uh, this morning I have uh, one, uh, a few verses of Scripture I'm going to read to you this morning, uh, and it's Philippians chapter 2. And I'm going to begin reading at verse number 3. It says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, 
and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Our Heavenly Father, I come before you today as humble as I know how. And Heavenly Father, I understand and I know, uh, God, that it's nothing about me. Heavenly Father, I ask you today, God, to help me to crucify my flesh, my fleshly thoughts and my, my fleshly desires, and submit them un unto the cross of Christ, that they may die and that Christ may live through me. I ask you right now, Father, uh, to fill me with the Holy Spirit. I ask that you would touch me uh, from the top of my head to the sole of my feet with the anointing of God that I may preach uh, what you have laid on our hearts to preach. God, that I may be a blessing to somebody uh, and that Christ may be known to all people uh, that is watching this broadcast. God, I pray uh, that you would uh, touch their hearts. I pray that you would show us and help us to have a submissive mind. And God, help us to not let other people uh, or ourselves rob us of the joy that only you provide. I ask you, dear God, to, to fill me with, with your spirit. And God, help me to empty me of myself and help me to be filled with Christ. Help me to strive to be like you each and every day. And God, I pray that you bless the reading of your scripture. Father, we love you and we thank you for all that you do. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you for reading with us. I pray that you do have your word in hand uh, because we are going to be going through several scriptures this morning. Uh, and so... I want to back up to verse number one this morning and just uh, kind of cover the first four verses uh, once again uh, because Paul is showing us uh, he's not pointing to himself. I, I want to mind you that. He's not pointing to ourself uh, uh, or himself, but he's pointing to Jesus Christ. In verse number one, he says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Uh, how, I don't know about you, but... Uh, I'm not one to really ask for help. Uh, I'm not really one to uh, go to somebody else and say, "Hey, can you help me with this or help me with that?" Uh, I, I guess I'm. Uh, I guess that's part of being a, a, a man, uh, being stubborn and not wanting to go and ask for help uh, from other people or have other people serve me. I don't really uh, enjoy that. Um, but I know that by them serving me, they may be receiving a blessing from the Lord. And so uh, we have to be careful on, uh, you know, taking something away from somebody else because you don't want to rob them of a blessing. And that's what I'm preaching on is robbing, uh, uh, is having joy robbers. And we all have joy robbers in our life, whether it's circumstances that we get in or whether it's people that we encounter. And that's what I'm going to talk about this morning is how that sometimes people can be so prideful that it rubs you the wrong way. But it's not just other people that are prideful. I, I would say that my number one joy robber in my life is myself, is my flesh. Because my flesh says I can do it. My flesh says, well, 
I don't want anybody to serve me if I can do it myself. But here's, what I, here, here's where I fall victim. Is that I, I see that my pride and my, my selfishness has, has stolen my joy because I'm not serving others the way that I'm supposed to. And we can let our pride and our selfishness uh, bind us and bring us into captivity so bad that we are not submissive to other people. Now we understand, and, and I'm not getting into marriage this morning, uh, but we know that the foundations of marriage is that the husband loved their wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. He gave himself. That means he, submit, he submitted to the church. He gave himself to the church. But then that next verse in Ephesians 5, he said, Wives, submit yourselves on, unto your own husbands. So we see a pattern of submissiveness. In order to be a good leader in your home, we must, as husbands, submit ourselves unto the Lord. We must submit ourselves unto Christ and thereby serving our wives in a manner that is well-pleasing to God. And when we submit ourselves to our families and to our wives uh, and to our husbands, we see that God will fill us with joy. Uh, usually, uh, if there's any friction in the home, it's because one person is not submitting to the other. And so it, you're, you're going against the grain. But to get that joy back in the home, you've got to get in harmony with one another and get back in oneness with the Word of God and with your spouse. And so that's what Paul is showing us here is, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And so in order for us to have joy in our home lives, we have got to look, uh, as a husband, I've got to take in my wife's best interests. I've got to be... Uh, focus on what is best for my wife and for my children and not for my own. I, I'm not looking out for the interest of myself, but rather I'm looking out for the interest of my family. And that's how we receive joy in our home and in our marriage and in our lives. That's how uh, uh, I love, some of you might not appreciate this, um, I despise touching somebody else's feet but I love the act of foot washing. I love a, a foot washing ceremony because here's the thing. You're humbling yourself and bringing yourself to lowliness. Uh, in verse number 3 it says, But in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. And when you are in a foot washing ceremony, you have to humble your pride and your selfishness and your arrogance to get down and wash your neighbor's feet and pray for them and bless them. And that is an act of true humility saying, I am no more worthy to not wash their feet. I, I, I need to be a servant to them and be a servant to them because when you serve somebody else, and, and I, I, I'm getting sidetracked this morning, but... What I'm trying to say is when you offer somebody something, uh, and I'll give you an example. This week, my wife and I, we, uh, we took supper to a family, and, and we got to bless them, and we got to serve them and be a blessing to that family and to see the joy and the happiness that was in that home and the smiles that came on their faces and, and hearing them you know, thank us for, 
for being a blessing to them and, and providing them with supper that evening, uh, it just it brought joy to us to see somebody else's joy overflow. And, and I'm so thankful for that. And if you've ever given food to somebody, you understand the joy that comes with giving. Uh, and so that's what Paul is teaching us. We need to look on the things of other people and not just on the things of ourselves because we can be selfish. And when we put ourselves above other people, uh, we tend to put ourselves above Christ because there's an order to having joy. You've got to have order uh, in this joy, and I'll show you uh, with the next slide. Uh, joy is three letters, and it's, it simply means Jesus first, others next, and yourself last. And that's how we can experience true Christian joy. In chapter 1, uh, uh, Dr. Warren Wiersbe said in chapter 1 of Philippians, Paul puts Christ first. And in chapter 2, we see that the Apostle Paul puts others second, which leaves himself last. You don't ever see in the book of Philippians where Paul specifically talks about himself. Now in chapter 3, next week, you'll find that Paul gives a description of his uh, 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 lifestyle and who he was as a Pharisee. But he's not pointing to that lifestyle. He's pointing to the life which he now lives and he now lives in Christ. And so he's pointing to Jesus Christ in all four chapters. Uh, he, Jesus Christ has to be our ultimate example to experience true Christian joy. So we see Jesus first, others next, and yourself last. The reason people aggravate us so much is usually because we do not have our own way. Boy, ain't that the truth? Dr. Wearsby said that. Uh, and and I, I think of that often because there's times that, that I'll just get plumb mad and, and plumb aggravated uh, that somebody has a different opinion because it's not mine. It, it didn't go the way I wanted it to go. And that, that gets me upset. But the Lord is showing me uh, through this study of Philippians that I have to bring myself into subjection. I've got to bring my flesh into subjection. I've got to die to myself and to my flesh, and the, the flesh is pride and selfishness, and have a submissive mind because I need to be willing to serve others, and I need to be willing to let others serve me because in doing so, we, re, we both receive the reward. We both receive the reward of joy. May I remind you this morning of the description of chapter 2 by Dr. Warren Wiersbe and C.I. Schofield. Wiersbe says it's a, of a, the submissive mind that fends off the joy a robber of selfishness, uh, but Schofield, C.I. Schofield said it is Christ, the believer's pattern, rejoicing in lowly service. And that word lowly means lower in importance or humble. And so Paul is teaching us that if we are going to live uh, as Christ, because that's what Christian stands for, is that uh, we are living Christ-like, that's why the people in Antioch, they were first called Christians because they were doing things that they had heard and seen Christ do. So we are called Christians because we ought to have a lifestyle that is patterned after Jesus Christ himself. And so we have to humble ourselves to the word of God. We have to humble ourselves to God. He said uh, in one place, in 1 Peter I believe it is, he said that if you'll humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, 
God will exalt you in due time. Meaning that God will use you for your humbleness. And God will bless you for your humbleness. Uh, in James chapter 4, he said, Submit yourselves therefore unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. But draw nigh unto God and God will draw nigh unto you. Uh, and so uh, we see that we have to have a humbleness about us in order to experience true Christian joy. Dr. Wearsby said Philippians is the Christian psychology book. It is not a self-help book that tells the reader how to convince himself that everything is going to turn out all right. It is a book that explains the mind the believer must have if he is going to experience Christian joy in a world filled with trouble. That's what the Apostle Paul is teaching us. He's teaching us what mindsets we must have in order to conquer our joy robbers. Uh, let me read that quote one more time to you. Uh, Dr. Wearsby said, It is not a self-help book that tells the reader how to convince himself that everything is going to turn out all right. Ain't that the world we're living in? you got so many tel televangelists and TV preachers uh, today, and, and just everybody, anybody of importance will tell you it's going to be all right. you just got to believe in yourself, and you, you've got to uh, build yourself up, and you've got to do what's best for you, and you've got to do... Uh, you. You can't worry about other people's dreams. You've just got to follow your dreams, and you've got to do what you've got to do. Uh, and it's all about self. It's all about pleasing the self and building self up. And all and It's all about self-help. But the book of Philippians is all about others. It's all about Christ, and it has nothing to do with ourself. The book of Philippians, in order to experience true joy, we have got to get rid of our flesh. We've got to get rid of our pride. We've got to get rid of our selfishness. We've got to empty ourselves of our fleshly motives and be filled with the Spirit of God. Be filled with the Spirit uh, uh, that is in Galatians chapter 5. Be filled with the fruits of the Spirit uh, and that we might not lust after the flesh. We discuss the single mind through circumstances that as Colossians 3.17 says, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Our circumstances, no matter what they are, should be used to propel the name of Christ, which is above every name whereby men must be saved and the furtherance of the gospel. Now Paul shows us here in chapter 2 that when we are faced with people problems, we must examine ourselves to know our attitudes and also examine the other person with a submissive mind and asking ourselves, how may I serve you? I'm going to stop right here just for a few moments. Those of you that know me know that I used to work for Chick-fil-A. And I worked for Chick-fil-A for about six months. And the number one thing that you must ask your customers is, Welcome to Chick-fil-A. How may I serve you? You might hear on occasion, What can I do for you? Or something like that. Uh, but I promise you the boss is going to be coming to you and, and correcting you. Uh, and it's because it's not about us. That's what Chick-fil-A's motive is. It's not about you. It's not about the employee. It's all about the customers. And that's the same way with Christianity. It's not about us. It's all about other people. How may I serve you? Not what, what can you do for me. Not, not, what can I, uh, not even what can I do for you. But how may I serve you? Willingly, how may I serve you? And we've got to have that mindset if we are going to experience true Christian joy. Dr. Wearsby said, people and nations bite each other, but they get sat on or crowded. 
People and nations bite each other because they get sat on or crowded. But the Christian with a submissive mind does not expect others to serve him. He serves others. He considers the good of others to be more important than his own plans or desires. Paul, the soul winner in Philippians chapter 1, becomes Paul, the servant in chapter 2. Paul uh, mentions four, uh, in the book that I'm reading, Dr. Wearsby, he mentions four things that characterizes uh, Jesus Christ as a submissive uh, mind. And, and so we see in verses 1 through 6 that he thinks of others. I'm going to read, I stopped at verse number 4, I'm going to read 5 and 6 again. It says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. We know that Jesus Christ was 100% man and 100% God. So it took some effort, and it probably came effortlessly to our Lord and Savior, but he humbled himself. A, a, a king who had a throne, who had angels that served under him, who had seraphims crying, holy, 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 in the uh, uh, throne room of heaven. He humbled himself and became a servant. He was equal with God, but he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Because he lowered himself. And became obedient, as verse number 8 says, obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He was God in all forms. But he humbled himself. And he thought of us. He thought of you and me. And that's why he humbled himself. He thinks of others. After all, outlook determines outcome. If the outlook is selfish, the actions will be divisive and destructive. I have a, a story that I want to share with you now uh, from Dr. Wearsby, and it says a reporter was interviewing a successful job counselor who had placed hundreds of workers in their vacations quite happily. When asked the secret of his success, the man replied, If you want to find out what a worker is really like, don't give him responsibilities, give him privileges. Most people can handle responsibilities if you pay them enough, but it takes a leader to handle privileges. A leader will use his privileges to help others and build the organization. A lesser man will use his privileges to promote himself. Jesus used his heavenly privileges for our sake. That's why he became a submissive servant. And that's why we can experience true joy in ourselves is by <clears throat> using our privileges that God has given us, our skills and our abilities and our talents, our finances, whatever God has blessed us with for the betterment of other people. And that makes us a good leader. That makes us have the fullness of joy. I found something interesting this week. Lucifer, which is Satan, we all know who Lucifer is. Lucifer said, I will... But Jesus said, thy will. Ain't that amazing? That's exactly the pattern of our world. Lost folks say, I will. But the true born-again Christian ought to say, thy will be done. If a Christian is going to experience true joy in their life, 
despite their circumstances, despite their people problems, despite their things in the world, despite their worry, if we are going to experience true Christian joy, we will not say, I will, but rather we will say, Thy will. Because it's all His. Our money is God's. Our house is God's. Our vehicle is God's. The food on our table is God's. And if you are bought by the blood of Christ, you are not your own. That's, that's the Bible. The Bible specifically says that ye are bought with a price and you are not your own. So therefore glorify God in your temple. That's how we experience true Christian joy is by saying, Thy will be done. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus Christ, He prayed this uh, a beautiful prayer that we find in John chapter 17. But in that prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, He said, Not my will, Father. He said, if it, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus became the ultimate. He became the ultimate submissive servant. He was a submissive sacrifice. Lucifer was not satisfied to be a creature. He wanted to be the creator. See, he wanted to be like God. He wanted to be God. He wanted to have the control that God has. Because he said, I will. It's all about me. And that's where a lot of people are today. It's all about themselves. It's all about what I can do. But rather, we should have the attitude of Christ that says, whatever your will is. Jesus was the creator, yet he willingly became man, his own creation. He willingly became his creation. Christ's humility is a rebuke to Satan's pride. So when we humble ourselves and we walk in the humility of Christ, it's like we're slapping the devil in the face because we're saying, devil, get out of here. Pride has no room. I said this on Facebook the other day, that pride in a person's life is like wild mint. And if you've ever grown mint, or if you've ever walked in the woods and you've seen wild mint grow, it will completely overtake something. And as far as I know, any mint uh, that you plant, if you don't get it under control or plant it in a pot somewhere, it will widespread like a wildfire and it will overtake a place. Um, that's exactly what pride does. If you let just an ounce of pride in your life, it will spread and spread and spread until it's uncontrollable. So when you start feeling pride seep in, we got to kill it right then. we got to go to the source of that pride, and we've got to kill that pride right then and there. How do you kill pride? You take it to Jesus. Take it to the foot of the cross where it all, uh, I'd like to say where it all ended, but really that's where it all began, ain't it? At the foot of the cross. See, that's where all my sin ended. That's where all my life ended was at the foot of the cross, but really that's where my life began because Jesus is my life. And so when I went to the cross and I asked God to forgive me of my sins, Jesus Christ became my life and therefore my life was just beginning. So when pride starts to seep in, listen, pride 
will root out the Spirit of God. Because pride is sin unto God, and therefore where sin is, grace doth much more bound. Ain't you glad? Hallelujah this morning. That where sin abounds, grace doth much more bound. But therefore we have got to kill our sin. We've got to kill our pride and our arrogancy and our ego and bring it to Jesus Christ. Because there's nothing good within ourselves and there's nothing that we can do in this world without the strength of God. Without the blessing of God, we cannot be able to do what we do. Because at any moment, the Lord could say, time's up. And it would be taken from you just like that. Consider Job. Job, man, what a wonderful book. What a sad book. It's a very discouraging book. But it's also a very joyful book because he never lost his integrity in the Lord. He knew where his help come from. He knew where his faith lied. And he knew that the joy of the Lord was his strength. Not once did he curse God. Not once did he say, what's the use? Why, what's going on? Why, why can't I just live a normal life like I was living? No, he didn't do that. He said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. See, when we, when we have that mindset, when we have the submissive mindset, we can say, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Not my will, but thy will be done. Twenty times in the New Testament, God instructs us how to live with one another. Uh, with one another. In Romans chapter 12, and verse 10, he said, We are to uh, prefer one another. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and 11, he said, To edify one another. In Galatians 6 and 2, he said, Bear each other's burdens, so fulfilling the law of Christ. Romans 14 and 13, he said, Not judge one another, but rather admonish one another in Romans 15 and 14. Verse, uh, uh, verse number 7 of Philippians chapter 2, it says, But made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. He made himself permanently human in the form of a servant, made in the likeness of men. Let that sink in. He permanently became human to serve, to serve others. He became the servant, but he became the leader by his service. He is a servant leader. And that is what God has called husbands to be, is the servant leader. As verse number 4 says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Jesus Christ always had you on his mind. I believe he had us on his mind from the very moment that Mary gave birth to him in that manger. I believe we were on his mind. And for the 33 years that he lived and, and was prophesying and teaching in the synagogues at 12 years old and, and, and touching and, and healing people and, and speaking life into people, I believe the very moment that he breathed this life and became human, we were on his mind. And he became a servant to us and for us so that we could experience true joy only in him. In uh, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse number 7, I want to show you something 
Uh, me and a, a, a friend of mine last night was speaking, uh, and he quoted this scripture, and uh, I thought, man, that goes right along with what I'm preaching on tomorrow. And uh, I just felt led to, to uh, add it to the sermon this morning. And I want to read to you Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 7 and let you hear what it says. It says in verse number 7 of Hebrews chapter 5, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. In that he feared. He had us on his mind. Verse number 7 of Hebrews is referring back to that uh, path to the cross, that journey to the cross. See, we, we find that Jesus took a detour on the way to the cross. He went into the Garden of Gethsemane and he told his three disciples, he said, if you'll come uh, in the garden with me and pray, he said, sit you here for a little while and, and pray uh, uh, for the things that are about to happen. He said, pray, but the Bible says, and he went a little further. Jesus went a little further. Matthew chapter, uh, I better not quote the chapter, but it's in the book of Matthew where uh, Jesus quotes that, and he said, but, uh, or, or Matthew quotes it and said, he went a little further. Ain't you glad the Lord went a little further for us? He didn't stop halfway. He didn't even uh, go all the way. He, be, he went beyond the way. He went beyond the way for us because he was thinking of us. Number two, this morning, he serves. Not only does he think of us, but he serves, and he willingly serves. In uh, uh, verse 7 of Philippians, he said, But made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Dr. Warren Wiersbe said, that he was the outward expression of the inward nature. He made himself of no reputation. He emptied himself, laying aside the independent use of his own attributes as God. He permanently became human in a sinless physical body. He used that body to be a servant, and he took that body to the cross and willingly died because of his service. Dr. Wearsby said, what grace, oh, what grace, oh, what love. That is agape love. Agape love is the unconditional love. Meaning that I'm going to love you no matter what you do. No matter if you love me back, no matter if you do anything for me, I'm going to love you still. And, he, and because he loved us, he went to the cross for us. And because he loves us, he serves us, and he blesses us, and he does good things for us. He keeps us alive, and he gives us good things, regardless if we ever love him back. Regardless of how many times you sin against him. Ain't that amazing? How a God in heaven can get slapped in the face, can get spit on, can have his beard plucked, can have nails driven in his hands and feet, and him still have unconditional love for you and me. Because that's what we deserve. We deserve the cross. We deserve the penalty of our sin. But what grace came to us that a man would lay down his life for you and I. 
Dr. Wearsby said he willingly humbled himself that he might lift us up. He humbled himself, became obedient unto death, because through his obedient unto death, when he became obedient unto the death of the cross, he thereby lifted us up to give us salvation, to give us salvation, to give us everlasting life. John 13, 4 through 5 says this, He riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. I want us to notice four things in these two verses of Scripture. The first thing I want you to realize is that Jesus Christ rose from supper in verse number 4. He arose from supper. And this is uh, uh, an explanation that I've found, uh, and I've actually preached on this uh, uh, once or twice uh, in the past years. And I found my old notes from this passage of Scripture, and so I wrote them down. Uh, and, and I want to explain why Jesus rose from supper. Uh, from supper. It was a place of rest and comfort. They had been out all day, ministering, working, doing things that, that Jesus and his disciples were doing, and they come in for supper. And boy, after a long day of work, and, and if your wife cooks and she's got supper ready for you, you don't want to do anything else but come in, sit in your chair, and eat supper with your family. Why? Because it's a place of rest and it's a place of comfort. It's a place of love. I want us to notice, not only did he rise from supper, but he arose from his throne in heaven. He made himself in the likeness of men and became a servant. See, before he could have supper with his disciples, he was a king. He was God. He was in heaven with, with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And he had a throne on the right hand of God the Father and he arose from his throne and he said, Father, I'll go. I will go and take that price of sin. I will pay the penalty for their sin. I will become a servant for them and I will become the sacrifice that will be slain. So he arose from his throne. He was conceived in Mary's womb and Mary gave birth to the only begotten Son of God who humbled himself. And thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but took upon him the form of a servant in the likeness of man. So therefore he, he arose from supper and he laid aside his garments. He laid aside his glory. He laid aside his royalty. Taken off the heavenly covering and humbled himself as a servant. And he took a towel in verse number 5. No, in verse number 4 it says, And he taketh a towel and girded himself. And that means that he was a servant that was ready to work. He was ready to serve. In verse number 4 we see that Jesus poured water into a basin. What's water do? Besides satisfy your thirst, what does water do? When you take a bath or when you take a shower, what does water do? It cleans. It cleanses. 
the water rinses off all the filth of, uh, uh, of the world and of your work. And, and it, it cleanses. And so Jesus took this basin and, and he laid aside his garments and he girded himself with a towel and he took a basin of water and he knelt down and he began washing the disciples' feet. He's, he humbled himself. He became a servant to his disciples to, for their example so that they would know what, how to treat others and how to serve other people. So he humbled himself and he took a basin of water and a towel and he got up from his place of comfort and, and rest and, and where he was about to receive supper and, and he got up from there and he, he humbled himself and he lowered himself to the uh, disciples' feet and one by one he started washing their feet. He came ready to cleanse. He poured out his blood to cleanse our guilt and shame. So he poured, he poured his blood out for you and I. That blood is flowing. It's still flowing in heaven. For whosoever will that will call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. That blood still has the power to save. Jesus put the submissive mindset into action. It's no wonder, Dr. Wearsby said, it's no wonder he experienced such joy. You know the Lord Jesus Christ had to experience joy through all the pain and suffering that he went through on this side of eternity because even while he was on the cross in agony, bleeding, and shedding his life's blood for you and I, he cried to the Father, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What grace, what love, what servanthood a man showed, what submissiveness uh, one man shown for you and I. Number three, uh, and, and I'm uh, almost done. I've got one more after this. Jesus Christ not only thinks of others or serves others, but he also sacrifices for others. Meaning that he had to give up something. Amen. That's what sacrifice means, right? I'm going to give up something of my wants, of my desires, in order for me to do something for you. That's a sacrifice. Well, honey, I, you, you know I've got to be, uh, you, you know I had to work late, you know I've got to do this, I've got to do that. But I'm going to sacrifice that. I'm going to sacrifice those wants. Or maybe, maybe you enjoy going fishing or, or whatever it might be. And, and I enjoy uh, getting around with a bunch of guys and just talking and, and fellowshipping and, and kind of, you know, having a men's day or whatever. Uh, and, and, and so uh, sometimes... If, if there's something that, that your spouse really needs and, and she needs that comfort and that, that love and that appreciation and she needs to know that you are thinking of what's best for her. Jesus Christ has always thought for what's best for us. Always. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 8 says, Though he were a son, yet he learned he yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. He sacrificed. He gave himself for us. He left his throne in heaven. He left his place of glory, his place of royalty to walk amongst us in a sinful world. Yet he knew no sin, but the Bible says he was made sin for us. 
so that he could take the penalty of sin away. Dr. Wearsby said many people are willing to serve others if it does not cost them anything. That's not sacrifice. If you're not giving up anything to serve somebody else, you're not sacrificing anything. But if there's a price to pay, they suddenly lose interest. Boy, ain't that, ain't that how we are? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'll do anything for you as long as I ain't got nothing to do for myself. As long as I ain't got to give up anything, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll come help you any day of the week as long as I ain't got anything that I've got planned. Amen? Ain't that how, how our mindsets work? I'll do whatever you want me to do as long as I ain't got something better planned. But the moment you ask me to give that up, well, I, I, ain't, in, I ain't interested in doing that now. I'm not interested in helping you if it don't help me. If I'm going to have to lose something, if I'm going to have to give up something, if I'm going to have to sacrifice something, well, I, I just lose interest. That's what Dr. Weir's be saying. He said, if pe many people are willing to serve it if it doesn't cost anything, but if there's a price to pay, then they suddenly lose interest. The Bible says Jesus became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I don't know about you. I wouldn't have much interest in dying. But Jesus, he gave it all up. He gave it all up. To die and to pay our sin debt so that whosoever will. Thank you, Lord. I feel, I feel the love of God this morning. I didn't, know that, I, I didn't know how this message was going to go about. But when you start thinking about a submissive mind, you know the number one way to have the joy of the Lord and to have a submissive mind? It's to love others. Because if you can't love other people, you can't serve other people. And if you don't love other people, you ain't going to be willing to sacrifice for other people. Same way in marriage. Same way in church. Same way with your relationship with God. If you don't love Him, you ain't going to be willing to sacrifice anything. See, many people, they want to hang on to their uh, cliches and they want to hang on to their, their, their things that they enjoy. But the very moment that God asks of them, hey, will you give this up? Will you quit doing that so you can get closer to me? I'll give you a, a short story, or I'll try and give you a short story. I'm already running a little lengthy today, and I apologize for that. But back in 2013, I was a junior in high school <clears throat> and uh, playing baseball. I just got back in it. I, I quit playing baseball in middle school. And so I'd been out of the game for about two and a half years, and I just started finding my love for the game again. I was getting back into it. And I was uh, exercising. I was running with the team. I was hit, going to bat and practice with the team. And I was throwing and, and trying to get my body back in shape and trying to get sped up. Because, listen, elementary school ball and high school ball is a big difference. And so I was trying to get caught up in the game. And, and all, all my junior year, I was, you know, working out with the team and, and trying to get physically in shape to play my favorite sport again. And I played that year, and, and I, I wasn't a very good player because I'd been out for so long, but I loved being with my baseball team I loved, because it was a brotherhood. It was a, a unity there in that team, and I loved that. And I loved uh, the meaning of baseball and the life lessons that baseball teaches you. And, and, and so I loved playing baseball. Man, it was just the joy 
that I had from playing sports and, and getting those wins with the team, even if I wasn't on the field, I was ecstatic uh, to, to get a win uh, because I was ecstatic for my players and for the team. And I would cheer them on, and I'd be that good teammate. Uh, and, and I'd be that crazy teammate in the dugout that's calling out crazy chants and different things. And, and so I, I just love that. I love being with the coaches, and I, I loved all that. And so uh, I was getting ready to go into my senior year. And, boy, I'd love nothing better than to graduate playing baseball. I'd love nothing better than to, to graduate knowing that I was a varsity player. Uh, and, and so my coach at the end of the baseball season, my junior year, he was saying, you know, Ben, he said, he said you've, you've came a long way this year. He said, if you'll play summer ball with me, he said, I think we'll have you ready to go by, by your senior year. That way you can be a starter on the senior squad. And, and so, man, I was just excited. I was tickled to death. I was ready to get, get to work. And uh, I, I got called to preach uh, in Murfreesboro that, that summer. And so I went up to Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and I was uh, delivering a message. And the very message that the Lord uh, asked me to preach, and, and the title was, What's Stopping You? And I started talking about things that, are, that come in our life that hinder our relationship with the Lord, that hinder us from going further with God and, and exceeding in what God calls us to do. And I'd been preaching a few years. I, I announced my call to preach in 2011. And so in 2013, right after baseball season, uh, summer ball was about to start. And, man, I got this phone call to go preach. And I went up and preached. And the Lord gave me that message. And on the way home, I squalled like a baby. And Dad, Dad he was driving me up. And he said, son, what's wrong with you? And I said, Dad, if that message wasn't for anybody, it was for me. I said, the Lord asked me during that sermon, Ben, what's stopping you? What's stopping you for, from doing what I've called you to do? What's stopping you from having a closer uh, relationship with me? What's stopping you from getting deeper into the Word of God? What is stopping you from reaching your heights with me? Let, let me bless you. Let me lead you. Let me have full control of your life. And all the way home, the Spirit of God was just so heavy on me. And he said, Ben, what's stopping you? And I said, Dad, the Lord has convicted me so bad. And it's about an hour drive from, from that church to where we lived. And I cried all the way home. I cried all the way home because I knew that as soon as I got home on Monday, I was going to have to go to my baseball coach and say, Coach, I quit. I knew that that's what I was going to have to do. I knew that I was going to have to go and tell, hey, coach, I can't play summer ball for you. I can't play my senior year. And uh, cried all, uh, uh, from what I remember, I cried most of that night because it was like having something that you love so dearly being ripped away from you. But that ain't what God was doing. He wasn't asking. He, he wasn't forcefully ripping it away. He never told me baseball was bad. He never told me that I had to give baseball up. But he said, if you want more of me, you're going to get everything else out of your life. And so I prayed that night, and I said, God, if that's what you want, I give it to you. I give it to you. I give you the baseball. Now, don't, don't misunderstand me. I still have a love for baseball to this day. love watching it. And if I get the chance to go play in a backyard somewhere, I love doing that. 
But it's not my priority anymore. And so that that next day, uh, I went and told Coach. Uh, thankfully, he was very respectful and very very understanding. So going into that summer, uh, see, I don't tell short stories. I, I'd, I'd have to be a novel writer. I can't tell a short story. But uh, anyway, that summer, God uh, blessed me. He probably blessed me more that summer uh, in 2013 than probably any other time in my ministry um, up until last year. And uh, it just, it was amazing to see what God, listen, I preached every weekend. I preached revivals. Uh, God just poured himself into my life and blessed me and used me in the ministry like never before. And I'd only been preaching for two and a half years at that time. And so to see what God done because of my faithfulness, because I was willing to give up something, because I was willing to sacrifice something, God poured out. And God filled me with his joy. And God took care of me. And God blessed me that summer. I think I seen nine, nine or ten saved that year. And and got to preach in revivals and got to preach about every Sunday that, that year. And, and even through my senior year, I was preaching every Sunday somewhere. And God just blessed me that year, and I'm so thankful for that. But I'm thankful for the lesson that it taught me. And that's what I'm hoping to teach you this morning, is that when we willingly sacrifice something, the reward will be so much greater than the initial pain. See, that Sunday night when God was dealing with me, I was hurting. And I was, I was, I mean, I'm telling you, I was grieved because I didn't want to let it go. I didn't want to give it up. And it hurt for that moment. But as soon as I gave it over to God, the joy that flooded my soul was greater than that pain. And I'm telling you this morning, oh, thank you, Lord. I feel the Lord this morning. Because when you give something up, He'll fill you with the joy. He sacrificed himself. And therefore he not only was filled with joy in himself, but he was also able to share his joy with you and I. Dr. J.H. Jowett said that ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. Ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. It, costs, uh, not, it didn't cost monetary gain or monetary expense. It did a little bit on the way out here, but not a whole lot. Um, but anyway, ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. And believe me, moving to Oklahoma, that costed something. We had to sacrifice some things in order to do what God's called us to do. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for, for Him taking care of us over the last two months in a, a COVID-19 crisis and quarantine and and we've not been sick. We've not went hungry. We've had all of our bills paid. God has blessed us with sermons to bring to you online. And I'm so thankful for that. God has blessed us. And I'm a blessed man today because we counted the cost. We gave up some things for you and to bless you. Because we know that by being a blessing to other people, God will in turn bless us. That's not why we do it. But God has called us to serve and sacrifice for other people. Dr. Wiersbe said, sacrifice and service go together if service to be true Christian ministry. It is one of the paradoxes of the Christian life that the more we give, the more we receive. The more we sacrifice, the more God blesses. 
This is why the submissive mind leads to joy. It makes us more like Christ. This means sharing His joy as we also share in His sufferings. Of course, when love is the motive, sacrifice is never measured or mentioned. The person who constantly talks about his sacrifices does not have the submissive mind. Now I want to ask you a question. Is it costing you anything to be a Christian? Is it costing you anything to be a Christian? Lastly, this morning, Jesus thinks of others. He serves others. And he sacrifices for others. And lastly, he glorifies God. Notice in Jesus' ministry, it was never about himself. Nowhere in, in, nowhere in his ministry did he say, Be ye followers of me, or, or do what I tell you to do. He said, Do the things that I tell you that my Father which is in heaven tells me. He was always pointing to the Father. And we, our lives, we should always point to Christ. We should always point to God because it goes from God to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the Holy Spirit, and then into us. Because the Holy Spirit, He's the messenger. And so the Holy Spirit brings what God wants us to do into our hearts, and it's up to us on how we take that message. Verses uh, 9 through 11, we see that wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given uh, him a name that, uh, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day we all will bow before him and confess that he is Lord. Of course, it is possible for people to bow and confess today and receive his gift of salvation, as Romans 10, uh, Romans 10 verse 9 says, and to bow before him now means salvation, but to bow before him at the judgment means condemnation. So one day, sooner or later, either you're going to do it today or you're going to do it when Jesus returns and you're going to be standing in the judgment of, of God, you're going to confess Jesus Christ is Lord. And you're going to bow and worship him. So why not do it today while you can receive salvation rather than condemnation? Why not receive the free gift of Jesus Christ and be born again and have everlasting life than to wait until the judgment day and receive the condemnation for your sin and burn in a devil's hell for eternity? Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 10 says this, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, we know that Melchizedek, uh, some people use him as a type of Christ in the Old Testament. He was the uh, high priest during Abraham's day. To our knowledge, we can't find record of his mother and father. Uh, and, and to our knowledge, uh, we know that he lived and he died, but uh, it was kind of a open-ended thing uh, because Jesus Christ he's been everlasting I mean he's been since the beginning and we don't have a whole lot of information about Melchizedek other than he was a holy man of God he was a high priest uh, and, and he was one of the greatest high priests 
uh, in the book of Genesis that, that I've read about um, during, uh, I think it was during the time of, uh, yeah, during Abraham's day. Um, but anyway, Jesus Christ, he glorified God. Melchizedek, he glorified God. But because of verses 8 and 9 in Hebrews, Though he were a son, yet learned the obedience by the things which he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, called of God, and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. John 17, verse 1 says, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hours come, glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. And in verse 22 he said, And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. So Jesus Christ, he thinks of others. He serves others. He sacrificed himself for others. And now he's glorifying God, but he's saying the glory that I have of you, I have passed on to others that they too might glorify you so that we may be one. And so we see that by serving others and sacrificing ourselves for other people, and thinking of others before we think of ourselves, in doing so, we glorify God. We show that we love God, and we show that we love the brethren. And so, therefore, we can receive the joy of the Lord, and our joy can remain full. Dr. Wiersbe said, The person with a submissive mind, as he lives for others, must expect sacrifice and service. But in the end, it is going to lead to glory. It's going to lead to glory. 1 Peter 5 and 6 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. See, when we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, we expect service and sacrifice. But in the end, God will exalt you. There's no greater example than Jesus Christ himself in verses 5 through 11. I said that in the beginning of the sermon. We can't expect our lives to be like somebody else, but rather we should look to Jesus to be the pattern for our lives. There can be no joy in the life of a Christian who puts themselves above others. Dr. Wearsby said, The joy of the submissive mind comes not only from helping others and sharing in the fellowship of Christ's sufferings, but primarily from the knowledge that we are glorifying God. This morning, I want us to have a submissive mind. I want us to kill the pride and selfishness and ego that can rise up in so many people's lives. And the only way that we can do that is looking to the book, looking to the manifold, looking to the, the instruction guide. Look to the book, and it'll tell you how to crucify your flesh, and it'll tell you how to Get rid of your pride and your selfishness, but it also instructs you in how to have a submissive mind toward others. I want to read uh, a few more verses in Philippians chapter 2. Verse 14. No, verse 13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. And I put a side note over here. Do not complain. Boy, I'm the world's worst complainer. And I hate to admit that behind the pulpit, but I am. God forgive me of that. God help me with that, not to complain. 
And listen, if, if, if you're complaining when you're helping somebody, you're not really thinking of them. You're not really submitting yourself to them. Verse 15, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I am not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith. Notice there's those words again, sacrifice and service. If we're going to have a submissive mind, our attitudes and our actions have to be sacrifice and service. Sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. Now let's look uh, in verse 21. He said, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. That's a selfish mindset. We can't have that kind of mindset. We must have the mindset of Jesus Christ. I love what uh, Paul, this is a great uh, tribute to the Apostle Paul's friend Epaphroditus in verse 25. And I'm going to close right here. It says, Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger. And he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that he, ye had heard that he, was, he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death. But God had mercy on him and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with gladness and hold such in reputation. Because for the work of Christ he was nigh to death, not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. He regarded not his life and his, his own interests, but rather he was always thinking of the interests of others and of Paul himself. What a great... I, I don't believe Epaphroditus was like Paul. I believe Epaphroditus was like Christ. And that's what we've got to understand. We can't be like Epaphroditus. We can't be like Apostle Paul. We've got to be who God has created us to be, but we have got to mimic and pattern ourselves after the lifestyle of Christ. And Jesus Christ, he was, he, he was the one who had a submissive mind, submitted himself, he thought of others, he served others, he sacrificed for others, and he glorified God. And that is how we too can have a submissive mind and glorify God. That's how we too can have true Christian joy in our life. And not just the joy from buying things or having uh, a good situation, being in a good place, being around good people. All that joy will disappear. But the joy of the Lord is everlasting. It endureth. And I'm thankful for that. Uh, I apologize for being so long-winded this morning. Uh, I should have broke this sermon out into two sermons, but uh, it's online, so uh, <laughs> you can go back and watch it as many times as you need to, uh, and I apologize for that. Uh, be praying for us. We leave tomorrow uh, to travel to Tennessee for a week. Uh, we will be back with you all live, uh, and uh, hopefully, Lord willing, we'll see. I don't know if we'll be back in church uh, on the 17th of May yet or not, but, Lord willing, we'll have uh, at least some in the service on the 17th. 
I know we'll be live streaming on the 17th, so uh, if not, just stay up, uh, stay on our Facebook page. I will keep you updated. Um, <clears throat> but next week, you will have a pre-recorded service on Philippians chapter 3. Also, do not forget, please set a timer. Uh, tonight is going to be amazing. I'm expecting great things from the Lord. Tonight, the virtual reawakening will start. It will be every Sunday night through the month of May, May the 3rd which is today at 6 p.m. Brother Keith Hatton from Arkansas will be bringing the message to us uh, tonight. So please, if you don't have a church to go to tonight, if you don't have a live stream to watch tonight, please tune in and join us tonight live at 6 p.m. Uh, and, and just pray for Brother Keith, pray for this ministry, and pray for us as we travel uh, to Tennessee this week. And so we just thank you guys. We love you guys. And I thank you for joining us uh, for our sermon series titled Joy Robbers. May God bless you and have a blessed Sunday.